Okay, we're live. Yeah. Leeshin, thanks for joining me, man. I'm excited for this. Thank you, too. Thank you for having me, John. So uh, at, we were just catching up a little bit before going live, and uh, you're in Shanghai right now, and I spent a number of years in Shanghai. Uh, really, 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 really cool city. What's, uh, what's the, uh, what I was interested in when I was there was the, there was so much startup activity. I know in, in China, it's kind of like Beijing, Shanghai, yes. and Shenzhen are the three big centers for that. What's, what's the scene like these days in terms of just tech uh, you know, industry and, and startup industry? Um, I think uh, there are actually there are a little bit little bit difference between these kind of uh, cities. Uh, for example, uh, Hangzhou Hangzhou has Alibaba, mm. so there are a lot of like e-commerce startups there. So uh, it's built around the uh, the Alibaba ecosystem. And uh, in Shenzhen, uh, there are a lot of hardware. Actually, we also have an office have an office in Shenzhen, so doing the hardware stuff. And uh, also in Shenzhen, there's Tencent. So there are a lot of like um, startups working on social media platforms or some like uh, media company, which is also aside with the social media companies. Right. And in Beijing, it's more, there um, much better variety there. So a lot of different companies, they're hardware companies, they're very hardcore AI companies. Uh, also they're in Beijing. And also Beijing has more tech people there. Yeah. Uh, and in Shanghai, so um, Shanghai is the like the finance center of uh, China. So uh, le- there are a lot of like fintech guys here. So and that's why there are a lot of like uh, Bitcoins there, Bitcoiners here in Shanghai. Mm. Uh, but Shanghai's uh, Bitcoiners um, like atmosphere is a little bit different from Beijing, because in Beijing there are a lot of like miners there. So a lot of miners are from Beijing. Uh, but in Shanghai, people are uh, more focusing on the security and on the tech side of the Bitcoin. Yeah, that's a little bit different from Beijing. Yeah. So, yeah, it's very interesting here. Yeah, and, and so startups. And you are the uh, the creator of the Kobo Vault. And I've, I've got yes. one right here. Really, really interesting new piece of uh, security hardware in the space. Um, before we break into uh, the details of that and, uh, and you know the kind of motivation behind it, uh, I can't I can't start off a podcast with ask, without asking you your Bitcoin rabbit hole story. So how'd you get into all this Bitcoin okay. stuff? Okay, actually, the first time I I, I got into Bitcoin really really early, uh, I graduated from my uh, college in two thousand ten. So in late two thousand nine, around Christmas around Christmas time, I was, it was my job hunting season. So like I spent like eight hours every day on the internet searching for a new job, this kind of thing. And I still remember that at that time, uh, I used the Google Reader a lot. So the, the Google Reader, the RSS uh, feed, this kind of thing. So uh, around the Christmas of 2009, my Google Reader was flooded by uh, Bitcoin topics. So that's really? the first time I, I knew Bitcoin. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in Chinese, actually. I think that's the first time some Chinese people has tr- uh, was translating some Bitcoin related stuff into Chinese. Mm-hmm. So my Google Reader was flooded. And uh, uh, I'm kind of a little bit anti-CCP. So a lot of anti-CCP news on Google Reader at that time. Uh, so I read, it, I read that a lot. And uh, I was into the rabbit hole, but I didn't. I didn't mine. I didn't do. I didn't do mining or anything like that. I just thought. I thought it was really, really cool. But actually, I, I, I was not confident that the consensus can be reached. I, I think this thing might be, uh, might be broken in some day. So uh, then I, I dropped it for some time, and uh, then the time comes to around the 2013. Uh, at that time, I was having my first startup in Shanghai, and my partner uh, he dropped up uh, he dropped out his uh, master degree from Stanford, so he came back to China with me for the startup. And at that time, he got a lot of like information from the uh, Silicon Valley tech circles. And uh, he reminded me that uh, Bitcoin is booming, so we should check that out. So that's the second time I come into Bitcoin and I bought some Bitcoin on Mt. Gox. 
that's also a bad, a sad news, a sad story <laughs> from us. Yeah. Um, and uh, uh, I was into hardware. Uh, I was into developing hardware since two thousand late two thousand fourteen, and uh, my previous company was a drone company. So. Uh, and uh, it was invested by Snapchat, and also the founders are from uh, from Stanford. So I we also build the drones and mainly focus on uh, uh, U.S. market, and we also got into Apple Store. So that was my previous job. Uh, but after we got the uh, investment, I was working in Beijing actually at that time. And uh, uh, after we got the investment from Snapchat, my wife was also pregnant, so I came back to Shanghai. Uh, and quit the job. So uh, then I look for another opportunity. And uh, uh, then actually, Kobo is a very famous wallet company here in China. It doesn't have it doesn't only have hardware wallet. It also have custodial wallets. So at that time, the founders of Kobo they found me. So they kind of incubated me in Shanghai to start up a uh, sub-audit company of Kobo here in Shanghai to focus on the hardware wallet. And uh, the Kobo, the Kobo wallet, I mean the software wallet, they focus on China market uh, due to some kind of regulation and compliance situations. Mm -hmm. And uh, for hardware wallet, as it's totally decentralized and non-custodial, so we are focusing on global market. That's how I got into the rabbit hole of Bitcoin and how I started the couple vault. So the, you, you mentioned that the drone company that you had started, um, if I walked into the Apple store and, and looked at the little boxes of drones on their wall, yes. that, that yes. was the, yes. your company? Yes, we have that. Interesting. Yes, we have that. I'm not sure currently it's still on there, but our first generation was called Hover Camera. Hover mm -hmm. is the hovering camera. So it's like a foldable, uh, a foldable drone and yeah. it's pocket size. So it's mostly for selfies. And uh, also like big guys on YouTube, like Unbox Therapy. Uh, and also, I don't remember the guy who always wear the sunglasses, a huge YouTuber and also play with the skateboard. What's his name then? Casey Neistat? Yeah, 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 Casey Neistat. Casey, Casey Neistat. He also reviewed our product. Okay, cool. And yeah. so what, I'm not sure if you mentioned it already, but what um, was your educational background? What did you study in school? Uh, I started uh, BA and mathematics. And so how did you get into starting a hardware startup and, you know, now again, involved in another hard, hardware, uh, you know, enterprise? Mm, yeah, actually, uh, that's kind of a long story because <laughs> I, I was I was recruited by the uh, a Stanford PhD who came back to China for his startup. So at that time, uh, we, we have a strong team. And uh, uh, actually, in the first days, we, we were looking for what we are going to work on. And, uh, and at the end, the answer is the drone. Actually, uh, from this point to see that thing, drone is super hard to do and it's not an easy business. Um, but it's also very cool to make a real product, like you can something you can touch and something you can like smash it and something like you can play with. Right. The experience is totally different from software. Mm -hmm. And also the business model is different. Your skill set needs to be different. Yeah. Um, all right. So you, you got into Bitcoin and you got involved in these startups. The existing company that was Kobo kind of headhunted you. Why did they want to, you know, aside, you mentioned the regulatory differences of, of having, um, you know, wallet, uh, a custodial yeah. wallet versus a hardware wallet. Yes. Why did they want to break into this line of business? Obviously, there's a number of players in the space. What was the motivation behind mm -hmm. building the Kobo mm -hmm. wallet? Okay, good question. Uh, actually, the founder of Kobo, one of the founders of Kobo, his name is Discuss Fish, uh, like his nickname, Discuss Fish. Uh, he was also one of the co-founders of F2 Pool. And uh, F2 pool is currently the biggest mining pool for Bitcoin and Ethereum currently in the world. So uh, he knows a lot of, he like, uh, he started doing Bitcoin mining back in 2010. 
So he's one of the earliest miners here in China. Uh, he has used a lot of like hardware, hardware wallets, like ledger and the treasure and everything. And at that time, he thought that there's still a big opportunity here for the hardware wallet because uh, he knows a lot of he knows a lot of miners. And uh, also, when I designed Cobalt, I also interviewed a lot of miners uh, that are discussed fish friends. So when we ask the miners, what's the most anxious moment when you're using Ledger or Trezor? Uh, they said that it's the moment that they plug the product into their laptop because uh, the most, uh, um, the, the, the ultimate goal of using hardware is air gapping your private keys, right? So you don't put it in a laptop or you don't put it in a mobile phone, you air gap it to you air gap your private keys to eliminate to eliminate uh, most of the attack surfaces. So the miners here, they are the most hardcore hardlers here in China. So they were very anxious when they plug in the ledger treasure into the laptop. So then we found that this is the opportunity to make the next generation for hardware wallet, which is make it more, much more air gap. So we found the opportunity and also we found that there is a very strong synergy uh, between the Cobalt Vault and the Cobalt Wallet because the Cobalt Vault can enhance the uh, security brand image for Cobalt. And uh, that's why we did a company. So, and also for the first generation, it's mostly designed for the miners here in China. So it's very expensive. And also it's waterproof and has other, has other durability features, which is designed mostly for miners. And then for the second generation, which is the product you have played with, it's our second generation and it's focused more on the normal hardware and the average users for Bitcoin. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned that uh, you interviewed the miners in China to try to get a idea for what they were missing, I guess, in their, yes. their existing hardware wallet experience. Um, you know, if people have, are familiar with Kobo's website or the features of Kobo, you know, you've got, as you said, the QR co code air gapping, you can yeah. roll your own dice to create your own entropy for your seed phrase. You've got yes. PSBT uh, with Wasabi, Blue Wallet, Electrum, I think yes. it's a, a few others. So Spectre, yeah. Right. Um, and so to me, like it's, it's thus far, you know, I'm, I'm still playing with it, but it's a product that really seems to have, uh, listen to what people in the community were uh, asking for and has, in my opinion, delivered it fairly well. And even full disclosure, you gifted me this, um, but the retail price seems, you know, quite reasonable for this product, for the, the functions that it has. What was the process of determining what else you wanted to include in it other than, as you said before already, the, the QR air gapping? Uh Actually, it's very, it's very simple. Uh, we just listen to the community. I'm a, I'm a hardler, but I'm not, I'm not a extreme, extreme hardler like the miners here or like other people in the United States, like uh, Meadow Dell, this kind of guy. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so we just listen to the community and uh, I talk to them, I ask them, what do you want and what other features are you expecting? And also I talked to them like, what do you feel about Ledger and Trezor? Uh, which part also recently Michael Flexman, he released a big tutorial for multi-signature. Uh, when we were designing the product, I was talking to him. I, I was talking to him about, because he was famous for the podcast with Stefan Rivera, mm -hmm. talking about like how we're security with multi-sig. So we were just constantly talking to the community. Actually, uh, when I was in my previous company, which making a drone, I was the product manager there. I was not a marketing guy or something. So my job is talking to my users. My job is to convert the needs of my users, of my, our users into product features. So uh, my role was product manager. And also in this company, I don't do the daily operations as a product manager, but I talk a lot to the users and to the community guys. And uh, that's how we build the product. And also personally, I'm really proud of that because uh, 
because for drone, it, the community, it doesn't have a strong sense of community. There is a community, but people may don't express their opinions that strong. But Bitcoin is totally different. Everyone is talking about security on Twitter and everyone's DM me on Twitter about what they want. So that's a totally different experience. And personally, I really enjoy that experience to build the product with the community. Yeah. And uh, a couple other cool features is the, the fingerprint sensor on the back for, yeah. you know, for logging in and stuff. And then also mm -hmm. there's, there's two uh, options for powering the device. There's a chargeable battery and then you can also, yes. there's a battery pack for um, yes. Uh, yes. four AAA batteries as well. Um, yes. Actually, all these features, all these features don't come from nowhere. Everything comes from like I call it user insights. Uh, for example, the the battery, uh, because there are some miners here in China, uh, they may they may not touch their hardware wallets during the whole bear market. For example, they don't touch it for two years, and after the bear market, they may sell some bitcoins, this kind of thing. So uh, during bear market, if we use just heavy Ethereum battery, you just put there for two years or even two months, the battery will fail. And that's why we have the AAA battery power supply for the device to make sure that if you don't touch it for several months or even several years, when you want to use it, you can turn it on and just play with it. Mm -hmm. that's, that's the user insight. So how, what was the process and how long did it take to, to get all of these um, different functions and attributes of, of the hardware and actually develop them and put this thing together? Like how long were you working on this, the Cobalt Vault Pro specifically to get this to market? Uh, I think if you include the time, uh, because we, as I said, we have our first generation. We started building our first generation from early 2018, uh, January 2018. And we spent a whole year to release that product. And uh, for the second generation, because we took a lot of legacies from the first generation. So we roughly used like nine months for the second generation. So like almost two years in total to, to design the whole thing. And I know this is kind of a broad question, but like how hard mm -hmm. was it to put all of the, the attributes that you had collected from the community into this product? Um, actually, uh, for me, because I was a product manager, like my job was talking to the community and talking to our target users. So it was not hard for me uh, to, to like engage people and uh, um, and the personally, my person, my personality is like always. If you know me more, you know that I'm a very humble guy. So I just talk to people, asking them, "What do you want? What do you need?" And uh, also collect ideas to how to integrate those features into a QR code air gapped product. Yeah, that's the thing. For me, it's not that hard. It's just, it's just. Um, but for manufacturing and. Uh, other stuff is much, much harder. That's what I mean. That's what I mean. Yeah. Okay. You mean manufacturing? Yeah. Okay. For manufacturing, because uh, the most difficult part is uh, you, it's very hard to let your manufacturing partners know what you want to build. That's the most difficult part. Because we're not like, a, because Chinese vendors here, they are familiar with uh, mobile phones, but they have never done this kind of thing before. Even some people, they are familiar with um, like the bank's uh, UB keys, this kind of thing, but they are not familiar with some security stuff with a four inch touch screen. So how to educate? I think the first difficult thing is how to engage them because uh, all the manufacturing guys, they're just chasing for profit. If they cannot see some kind of hope in your product, they won't play with you. That's the most difficult thing in the first stage. So you have to engage them. You have to like draw a big picture to them that how big Bitcoin will be and how hard wallet will become to will come into a big business. That's the first big thing. 
The second thing is we have, we have to make them understand what we're going to build. For example, they don't understand why you're building something with a big touch screen, but it doesn't have Bluetooth, it doesn't have NFC, or it doesn't have bandwidth. What are you doing? <laughs> and uh, why you're building something with a detachable battery? They only know that for the walkie-talkies, those kind of products have like detachable battery. Why you're building this with detachable battery? and uh, this kind of thing. And also for the first generation, we were built with aluminum uh, outcase. It was not plastic, it was aluminum. So they have never done this kind of thing before. So we need to make them understand what we want to build and what's like, uh, you need to give them the whole picture. What's the product positioning and what's the difference between other products? Even you need to let them know how to use this. This kind of thing took a lot of lot of energy from us to educate those partners. That's the difficult thing. And also the next difficult thing was the quality control because it also comes from, they haven't done this kind of thing before. So it's very hard to align them on the standards of the quality control. For example, one thing it's very different. For our product, there's a camera, right? This camera is not a autofocus camera. This, ca this camera is a fixed, fixed focal lens camera, which uh, can recognize the animated QR code much, much faster than the autofocus camera. So for the vendor, most of the vendors, they, have, they haven't done anything with a fixed focal lens camera before. They can only, done, they can only do the quality control for a autofocus camera. A camera is, the most essential, aside from the secure element, the camera is the essential, the most important part of the device. So we have to create a whole new process for the quality control for the QR code recognition, this kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's been a lot of work and uh, a lot of heart also, but yeah, we did it, yeah. <laughs> and you know, one of the things I was thinking before, uh, you know, when I was uh, thinking about speaking with you today, you know, as I told you, I lived in China for a while and for better or for worse, China has a China Inc. has a bit of a trust problem around the world right now. Yes, I, I think that's changing. And I think, um, yeah, I, I think it's in the process of changing. And maybe in this instance, it's even a good thing, because I think, you know, when you're interacting with security products like this, it's probably best never to trust anybody, whether it's made in the US or China or, you know, South America somewhere, you know, so I think maybe that um, we shouldn't be framing things up that way. But nevertheless, you know, that's the case. And I'm just wondering when you're working with uh, vendors and people that are helping you manu manufacture the, the product, what mm -hmm. security measures are in place to avoid any sort of attack that may be possible from a kind of supply chain uh, perspective? Okay, that's a really good question. Uh, so uh, to, uh, I take that into two parts. The first is uh, how to, first is we should make people available, uh, make people feasible for them to verify this product. And then that, that's why we open source every unproprietary code that we can, including the firmware of the secure element. The second part is how to control the manufacturing line to make sure that everything's okay. So for that thing, the most important thing we do is we control the whole process for the secure element. I mean, we have all the source code, even though we cannot open source the proprietary code from the secure element vendor, but we have their code. And we compile the whole, the whole thing and burn that into the secure element. And also we use the secure element to verify that the system is okay. So that's the thing we do. We, for the secure element, uh, there's one key process is burn the, initiate, the, burn the initial firmware into the secure element. And we all do that by ourselves. So we do not lose that control. And that's the most essential part in the device to make sure that everything's uh, okay. And also we have a process called, we have a final process called web authentication. 
I'm not sure when you set up Cobalt Vault, you go, you went through that process. For sure. And for, for the sure. yeah, for the web authentication, it also makes sure that the secure element works very well because everything happens in the secure element. I mean, the signing process, the private key derivation, this kind of stuff, and also our private keys never leak out of the secure element. So the secure element is the ultimate, like the ultimate gate for securing your Bitcoin and we control that strongly. Right. And there's a, um, there's a self-destruct mechanism for tampering yes. with the secure element too, right? Yes. Yes. For the, actually for the self-destruct mechanism, that was widely used in traditional banking equipments. Um, it's most Asian, in the Asian times, for example, uh, one of the attack surface for the ATM machines is that a, a hacker or a robber can just take away the ATM machine and take that into a warehouse and uh, use some falsely open and take the money out. So for those ancient ATMs, uh, they have self-destruct mechanism, which is when you open, falsely open the device, uh, there's a, like a bottle or a glass of ink which were broke and uh, get all the money tanked. Oh, so wow. that's the most uh, ancient self-destruct mechanism for traditional banking system. And uh, currently all of the world, I mean, I think for most of the uh, credit card terminals or like bank card terminals, those things, they have secure element and they also have self-destruct mechanism. So we didn't invent this. We just borrow this idea from traditional banking system and uh, to put that into our hardware wallet. Um, another kind of China related question is, mm -hmm. you know, I know a lot, oftentimes when you do business in China, you know, relationships yeah. with, uh, you know, the political system are sometimes very often unavoidable. Um, yes. And I'm wondering, you know, developing a product like this where it's, so important where security is so important and it's like you know you can't be compromised by uh, any sort of political pressure like did you receive any of that from making a product like this like did did you know what 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 kind of involvement did did kobo have to have with local authorities and like are they are they okay to let innovation like this flourish without you know mm -hmm. having having back doors or having their their hands in it in some way Okay. Actually, you may not believe, but we, we received none of this from our government. Because I can, I can explain to you the, you have lived in China, so mm -hmm. maybe you know part of the logic of the government here. Actually, the most of the thing uh, the government care, the first is Bitcoin cannot hurt Chinese ecosystem of the economy. That's the first thing. So in China, the Chinese government are really, really sensitive if you are selling Bitcoin to normal people, that's forbidden. So if you get into the business of the exchange between Chinese renminbi and Bitcoin, that's the most sensitive part mm. uh, for Chinese government. And the, the second thing which may do a damage to the Chinese uh, economic system is that if you do ICO here in China, that's strictly forbidden here in China because that will also broke, that will also break the, the Chinese economic system here. So that's the two red lines here in China. And uh, for if you don't cross those red lines, your business is totally okay here in China. And then what are the business Chinese government focus on related to Bitcoin. The first thing is trading because that comes from the, that where the tax taxes come from because those guys are making tons of money. So Chinese governments, they focus, they always do like investigations to those exchanges. And you must see those news that Chinese government raid those offices of the exchanges. So that's the most sensitive thing. And uh, uh, if you put your money in a Chinese exchange, that may have some risk because that's Chinese government focus on. The second part Chinese government put their eyes on is mining because mining is also 
mining actually Chinese government kind of like mining here because mining because all the mining farms they are in the most isolated places in China for the cheapest electricity. Mm. So those mining farms are solving the the working problems there in the most isolated places like Sichuan, like Xinjiang, those kind of isolated places. And uh, those mining farms are contributing to the local economic system. So that's why Chinese, Chinese government really like these kind of mining farms. And uh, also from my opinion, Chinese government won't break the whole consensus of Bitcoin or the whole Bitcoin system because first Chinese government is making a lot of money here. And also Chinese uh, government has made red lines to make sure that Bitcoin system doesn't touch the Chinese economic system. So if this, these two things can achieve, first is making money, the second is don't touch Chinese economic system. And then Chinese government is welcoming the Bitcoin industry or the Bitcoin community. Mm -hmm. And that, that's why, Chinese government, I, I, from my perspective, why I make this company here in China, because myself is also a hardware. I also use Cobalt Vault to hardware my Bitcoin. But from my perspective, Chinese government won't do anything to a hardware wallet because that's a really, really small, 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 small business in our industry. Mm -hmm. And if Chinese government want to steal some, first they want to do that because if they steal some Bitcoin that will clap Caps the whole Bitcoin industry or even the consensus. So they won't do that. If they won't do that, if we get back a little bit and saying that Chinese government, they want to do that, they will do that for the exchanges, for the top three exchanges here in China. They will do that on the miners here in China. They won't do that on our like the normal hardware's here, like you and me. So that's the last thing Chinese government want to hurt the the Bitcoin community. If they really want to hurt Bitcoin community, they just shut down all the mining farms in China, but that's also hurting Chinese economy by itself. Mm -hmm. So that's the thing. So if you think it from logic wise, I think from my perspective, Chinese government won't do that. And that's why I'm confident to, to establish this company and make this power here in China. What, <clears throat> you touched on this a little bit just now, but what, you know, when I was in, I remember, the last big news, it was 2017 in the fall. And I think the end of October, the end of September, the exchange, uh, new exchange regulations came down. I think they, you know, yes. said the exchanges had to stop some sort of activity or all activity, or I couldn't remember what. And of course, you know, the price tanked a little bit and then bounced right back up and then into, into November and December 2017, we went. But what, you know, with the talk of uh, Chinese central bank digital currency, as well as just the general government, uh, you know, approach to Bitcoin, and knowing that there's so much mining activity in China, and you know now hardware activity, etc. Like, what, what do you think China's government, Chinese government's evolving stance toward Bitcoin in like as a whole is right now? Like, are they still willing okay. to permit it, you know, because of the economic reasons that you just mentioned? Or do you think uh, it's becoming more or less favorable? They're looking at it more or less favorably. Yeah, I think you stayed in China. So you know that Chinese people, Chinese government, uh, in their mind, there are two things the most important. The first is that our country need to be steady. That's the first thing. That's why the government control the media and uh, do other stuff like here in China. All this stuff is for the steadiness of the society, the steadiness of our country. So that's the first thing. The second thing, the second biggest thing in Chinese government minds is economy. So if you see Bitcoin from these this two perspectives, first is steadiness. In order to get a steadiness of the society, so you cannot sell Bitcoin, you cannot do fiat to Bitcoin transaction or fiat on ramp for Bitcoin here in China. So that's for steadiness of the economy here. For making money, so Chinese government are green green lighting the exchanges and also mining here because because those kind of things. It's it's been a while that seeing that. 
Chinese government is going to release some licenses for the exchanges because the government also wanted to make money. You mean crypt- crypto to crypto exchanges? Yeah, crypto to crypto exchanges. Okay. Yeah, because they want to make money. And also Chinese government for, I can, I can even tell you a very interesting thing. So in some rural places, especially, I mean, some isolated places in China, the electricity prices there for the miners are related to the Bitcoin price. So if the Bitcoin price goes up, the electricity price goes up for the miners. If the Bitcoin price goes down, the electricity prices goes down for the miners. That's why they just want to make money from those miners. They don't want, they don't want to make you die. So they will <laughs> shrink their profit if Bitcoin prices goes down. So it's very interesting. So first is steadiness. They just control everything. And second, under the control, they want to make as much money as possible. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. Very practical Chinese government. Yeah, that's what I've always said about them. And I, you know, there's obviously there's many uh, criticisms levied at them from from the West. Um, but I've always just said, you know, like whatever those criticisms may be, they're crazy pragmatic. You know, like they just they'll do the thing that best serves their ends. And as you say, their ends yes. are growing economy, stable um, yes. society, etc. Yes. And uh, it's uh, it's definitely an interesting thing to to observe and be involved in. What uh, do you do? You anticipate staying in China long term? You mean personally? Yeah. Uh, it depends on my on my boy. Actually, <laughs> I have a two and a half years old son. Nice. Actually, yeah. If he wanted to to go abroad, I mean, I mean, it depends on the education. I think mostly because. Mm-hmm. Um, I also, I have a, my, my, my wife also always said that I was so unrealistic because I was thinking about taking him to the Bitcoin 2021. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just wanted to make my boys see the world to, to get connected to different kinds of people, different kinds of values, different kinds of background. Yeah. So if, if he wanted to like go abroad to study there, I will accompany him maybe. So I'm flexible. I'm quite open to that. Nice. Um, yeah, for me, I'm not. I'm not that kind of like, uh, like, uh, stick to China or even stick to CCP. No, no, I'm not that kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are some of the, or were there any attributes or functions in the Cobalt Vault that you wanted to include, but for reasons of cost or otherwise just couldn't? Mm, for reasons of cost, that's a really good question. Uh, actually, for the first generation, I'm not sure. I, I don't have a product at hand. I may have it in the office. For the for the first generation, uh, because it was designed for the miners here in China. As I mentioned, they worked in the most isolated places in China, so there may be a lot of like rains, and also uh, it may take like several hours. Cars. I mean, the the situation was very bad there, so they really care one feature for their hardware, what is durability. So that's why for the first generation, we designed uh, drop resistance and also we designed with waterproof. Uh, and also it comes with a metal case. You can see it from our um, uh, our website, it's called Cobalt Vault Ultimate. That's our first generation. So it comes also comes with a metal case. And I even drove my car over the metal case for several times, and it still can open and get out of the cobalt vault and turn it on and use it. So, for durability side, it was very very strong. Um, but for the second generation, we took that whole durability part off because uh, I because that that was also that was also one of the user insights I got from Bitcoin 2019. I was there in San Francisco. So I talked to a lot of hardware's there. I I asked them, "Are you afraid of like your your home got flooded by the hurricane? This kind of thing?" They said they were afraid, but if that happens, they just spend another hundred bucks and buy another hardware. So they don't care that much about durability. 
So, and that's why I came back from, from there and with those insights and we remove all the durability features from the first generation and we produce the second generation. So if we don't need to consider the cost and uh, especially the cost is related to the price, if we don't need to consider the cost uh, stuff, we will make this durability features for the product because that's nice to have, especially sure. for some people. Yeah. Sure. What's, uh, what's the response been like so far to uh, the new product, the Cobalt Vault uh, Pro? You know, I know mm-hmm. you, you, you've sent a few around and there's been, um, it, especially lately, there seems to be more use and integration. You mentioned uh, Spectre and the stuff that Michael put out and, you know, more and more people are starting to get their hands on it and play with it. What's been the yeah. response uh, directly from the community? So feedback, I guess. And what's been the response uh, in terms of, you know, you don't have to give me exact sales figures, but how's that been going? Okay. It, it, it is really good. Uh, overall, it's really good. But just like you said, uh, we still receive some like crushing or some concerns from this is product made in China. So that I cannot deny that that was part of the concern, but I'm open to, uh, I really like the questions you just asked because I just wanted to open to those kind of concerns and to let people know who we are and how we build this product and what we see from the, our perspective about the CCP, like, like maybe damaging this kind of thing. So uh, I think that's the most concern we receive from the, from the community, but it is what it is. We just face it. We just tell people what we do and hopefully people will see what we do, how we iterate the product, how we help to, uh, to improve the security of the Bitcoin community. And also that's why we really embrace the multi-signature scheme. And uh, that's why we developed the, the same schemes as code card to make sure that everything, everything including the, the, the X-Pops and also every transaction, every multi-signature transaction can be verified on your device. And also even you can show your multi-signature addresses with QR code on our device to receive your to receive some Bitcoin from others. You don't need to rely on Electron or even Spectre to receive some Bitcoins from others with your multi-signature addresses. So that's the thing what we do. And also, uh, we also suggest people that uh, you can set up your multi-signature to make sure that uh, you don't need to rely on one single hardware wallet. Yeah, that's also what we do. So we receive really good feedback from the community. And also we received some, also I'm really proud of, just like I said, I'm really proud that some people are really like us because we are building the product together with the community rather than in a like close the room, this kind of thing. Uh, and also another thing we were, uh, people are talking about was our customer service. So yeah, they said that, uh, they feel that some of the other big brands, their customer service is like, I just wanted to get you away. I don't care what I answer to your question. I just want to get you away. But for us, our customer service was really responsive. And we really, uh, yeah, we really get down to the people's questions and help them out. Yeah, that's what we received from the community. Mm. And what's, what's in development now? Are you guys just in a kind of hardcore sales mode because the product has, has been developed or are you still, are you working on something else? Yes, uh, that's a really good question. Actually, we're going to release uh, Sleep 39 uh, implementation in the next couple of weeks, maybe late September or early October. So Sleep 39 was developed by uh, Satoshi Lab, which is also developed by Tracer. So you can use the Shamir's uh, secret sharing scheme to like split your recovery phrase into several shares. And uh, it's just like multi-sig, it's a three slash five uh, split. Then you split to five shares and you can use three of them to recover your, recover your wallet. So we're still developing these kind of features to help the community to avoid a single point of failure. If you, because some people, they have one set of recovery phrase, they just simply replicate them and put them into different places. Uh, that can avoid single point failure, but that also increase the, 
significantly increase the possibility for get get it stolen. So yeah, in this kind of scenario, uh, Shamir's backup backup is a much better solution for those kind of people, those kind of paranoid people. Mm-hmm. So we're also developing uh, that thing, and also we're getting to Shinor uh, signature. So when Taproot becomes uh, live, I think will be the not the first, maybe be the among the first hardware wallets that support Shinor signature. That's also what we're working on. That's a big job because we need to do a lot of modifications on the secure element. Yeah, that's the thing. That's awesome. That's the biggest of things we're working on. Yeah. So is it likely that the kind of form factor will stay the same for a while? Uh, yeah, good question. Uh, actually, uh, we are planning. You, you can you can see that there's a slot for the SD micro card. SD card here. Yeah. So. Uh, and currently, the battery will cover the slot if you put the battery on. Mm. So for the maybe the next year, we may move the move the slot out of the device so that when the when the battery is on there, uh, you can still unplug or plug in your micro micro SD card to do the data transmission, because for some. Um, big transactions with a lot of UTXOs. Uh, you cannot do that with a QR code because that needs like maybe 100 or even 200 QR codes. Mm-hmm. In those kind of scenarios, the micro SD card has to be introduced to to for the data transmission. Uh, and also, we're making maybe maybe it's even even longer thing. So we're making a device with a transparent uh, form factor. I mean the transparent case. So for that device, we will call it Cobalt Vault Cypherpunk because yeah. for that device, we will let people to compile their code and to burn their firmware into the device, including the firmware of the secure element. So that's for the most, most hardcore people, hardcore Bitcoiners in the community. And uh, some people are also expecting that. And uh, yeah, I think that may happen in 2021 or late to learn anyone. Yeah. That's awesome, man. How many, how big is your team over there? How many people are working uh, on this with you? Uh, the whole COBOL, actually the whole COBOL was around 80 people. Around what, 80 people. What so, about the vault team? Uh, the vault team, uh, for people who dedicated to vault, there are around 20 people. And also yeah. we share some resources from the whole COBOL team because there's also the companion app for, for Cobalt Vault and the, the companion app share the same um, backend service as the Cobalt Wallet. So we share a lot of services and also the the, 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 the operation guys and also the security team. Yeah, we share a lot of resources. I think if you count those guys in, I think there are around like 30 guys for but 20 guys dedicated on Cobalt. I got a question just regarding kind of business development with building a product like this, because, you know, even as, as kind of, it's very consumer friendly, but you know, you'll probably have to be a, a, an enthusiast, a Bitcoin enthusiast to even, you know, even come across a product like this. Right. So for example, to, to construct a transaction, import it into the vault to sign it and then, you know, send it back to the wallet and, and broadcast it. You know, a lot of the, the, the casual users may not go that far. They want to plug in their wallet, put it in an address, press send or receive, you know, in, in a normal interface. And don't get me wrong. I love that that's available through this product. Um, but w- when you guys are kind of doing your business model out, what kind of a market in terms of numbers do you think, uh, it, what's the total addressable market for a product like this? Uh, uh, you mean what the sales number we're expecting? Not, well, not, I mean, you, sh- you sure, you can share that if you want, but I just mean like <laughs> yeah. when you're, when you're, when you're doing your business plan and you think, okay, okay. how many, you know, what's the market that, that of people okay. that would be interested in a product like this? You know, how big is it? Is it a million people? Is it a hundred thousand people? Is it 10 million uh... people? Okay, I see. That's a really good question. Um, actually, ledgers um, sharing their sales number all the time. And uh, 
I believe that that's that's the true numbers. They're not lying because they are currently the biggest player in the market. So from the numbers currently, uh, I think in 2020, their sales number will be around from 400,000 to 500,000. Yeah, so my estimation is that at least will be one tenth of the business of Ledger. Mm-hmm. Because I asked a lot of people, actually this kind of QR code air gapping experience brings them a very good experience to feel that they are safe. For normal people, they don't they don't know what is security. They don't know like what kind of information is transmitting into the product or transmitting out of a product. But every people, if you're not a dumb person, I should say, <laughs> you will feel that QR code is more secure than the USB style of product. And that's why also, that's why people are loving uh, cold card because they involve the, the micro SD card for data transmission. I think it needs some education, but at the end of the day, uh, from my perspective, at the end of the day, people may not have only one hardware wallet. They may have several. Mm-hmm. For example, if they wanted the most convenient stuff, they use something with Bluetooth, but they only put like uh, one-fifth or one-tenth of their uh, Bitcoin in that device. But for our device, maybe they touch it for every six months, but they put in like half of their Bitcoins into our device. So it depends on the user scenarios. Uh, at the end of the day, they will buy the most uh, air gap to stuff, but it needs education. And uh, mentioning education, that's why we're co-working with a lot of like wallets like Blue Wallet and also Electron and also Wasabi, BTC Pay Server and also Spectre to to introduce this kind of QR code interaction to more people know that you have another option to better air gap your private keys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what's the you mentioned you had a team of 20, you're in Shanghai. Shanghai is the financial capital of, of China and you know, yes. big player in the mm-hmm. world becoming. Um, what is the, because I, re- I remember just for some context, I remember going to BTC China's office in 2015 in Xu in in Shanghai. Okay. So they were um, just just a little bit down by, by Shanghai Stadium, by Shanghai Indoor Stadium. Yeah, 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 That's yeah, where yeah, their yeah, office yeah. was. And, yeah. you know, it was, it was, there was an energy in there, right? Like the people, <clears throat> because people that are involved in Bitcoin, they're pretty passionate about Bitcoin and, you know, the related sort of uh, topics and themes. What's the, the general sense? I know the government has a particular stance, but amongst entrepreneurs, amongst young people like yourself, mm-hmm. what's, what's the, the kind of energy or feeling around Bitcoin in, in Shanghai these days or, you know, in the industry there? Oh, in the industry. Um... You want to know the truth here? Yeah. Actually, people here, uh, because entrepreneurs, they really want those kind of like most sexy part. You know, if they do a business, they are looking for a 100 times growth, this kind of stuff. Right. So just to be very honest here for the people in Shanghai, I think they are more into DeFi these days. <laughs> so Bitcoin is, is kind of like a, is kind of unsexy here. So yeah. everyone's, everyone's hodling Bitcoin, but they don't talk about Bitcoin too much or they don't interact with Bitcoin or Bitcoin community too much. They, they got into DeFi. Their topic is like DeFi. So it's kind of, you, you can use the word barring when people saying Bitcoin here in China. But for us, we do security and Bitcoin, from my perspective, Bitcoin is the most secure. Actually, not from my perspective, also I think from your perspective, Bitcoin is the most secure one and you can use this to secure your digital assets or secure your your money, it's hard money. So we found it's the most fascinating part of all the cryptos. But if an entrepreneur who's looking for some kind of 1,000 times growth, they may get into DeFi. I cannot deny that. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me, to be honest. I mean, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know how to say this the right way, but I, I know in, in China, 
in China, people like to go for the big gain. Let's put it that way. You yes. Know, whether, yes. Whether gambling yes. or whether it's entrepreneurship or investing, yes. people yes. are are drawn to the big gains. People are practical here. People are practical, and yeah. Uh, yeah, as you know, that Bitcoin there are a lot of like philosophy and a lot of like uh, values. Yeah. I mean, the value. I mean, the, you mean the value, not that kind of value. I know Bitcoin, what you mean. But yeah, Chinese people they they they're looking for the Just biggest gain on the financial <laughs> side. Yeah, 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 that's that's the thing here. Yeah. I remember being at a, a function once and who, which one is the God of, of money? The one that throws the red packets out, uh, during yeah. Chinese new year. You know, yeah. 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 I, I can't remember the name of him, but like he, he came out and it was a big ballroom of people and he just reached into his sleeve and he was throwing out the red packets and everybody was going crazy. <laughs> like, ah, give me the red packets. <laughs> yes. Yes. That's, that's very, very China. <laughs> yeah. Very China. Um, yeah. what, uh, and actually on that point that you were just making mm -hmm. about the relative sexiness and different coins and, and stuff like that, uh, it's, it's also worth noting that the Cobalt Vault Pro has a Bitcoin only firmware, uh, because it does yes. have a, you know, it does support lots of other cryptos, or you can just go with the Bitcoin only firmware, which yes. of course I have done on my Cobalt Vault Pro to each their yeah. own. Um, what's the most exciting thing that your, um, you know, that's what, what's exciting you the most, I guess, is the way to put it um, in Bitcoin these days, you know, what's coming up in development or what's happening in the ecosystem or what's happening in the macro economic landscape that's uh, relevant to Bitcoin. Like what's what do you find the most fascinating uh, when you have some downtime and you're just kind of feeding your own intellectual curiosity these days? OK, that's a good question. Um, previously, I think it was uh, lightning. Yeah, the the the, the lightning network. Mm -hmm. uh, I think recently, um, if I have some some more time, I will get into Taproot. Yeah, I really, I'm personally, I really look looking. I'm really looking forward into uh, the implementation of Taproot. That's mm -hmm. because we love multi signature and uh, uh, we strongly support multi signature. And uh, for Taproot, it will increase the privacy part for multi signature. So that's the most thing. I'm also our team is, is expecting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and as far as resources are concerned for learning about these things, what are your go-to resources to learn more about Bitcoin when you have the time to do so? Mm, for Bitcoin, I don't have the, I don't have the link, but, uh, Jameson Lop, he, he conducted a webpage for all the learning materials, including books, including podcasts, and everything i just i just went there and uh, randomly checked something something new from there and uh, also i subscribed the newsletter of uh monte monte bent and mm -hmm. also the newsletter of bitcoin optech so those are the stuff i i really get into nice um I got one more part uh, that I usually do at the end of these uh, conversations. But before I get into that, was there anything that you wanted to cover that we didn't touch on yet? Any mm, final thoughts? I think that's that's pretty much everything. Oh, by the way, we, we also have... I, did, did I send you the, the metal storage for the recovery freeze? I nope. got one, yeah. I got one. You got one? Yeah. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the punch, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the thing, yeah. That's also what we developed, and uh, we also we, we made it really cheap. You found the price there. Yeah, yeah, we made it really cheap. We wanted to to use this product to benefit all the people in the community. Uh, even though you don't use hardware wallet, it's okay if you use software wallet. And the recovery phrase is the most thing you should pay attention to. So that's why we developed the uh, the Cobalt Tablet three variants for the Cobalt Tablet, and also. Uh, but with for the for the first generation, which is just the Cobalt tablet, we failed the Jameson Lab Extreme test, and then we developed the two products, Cobalt tablet plus and the Cobalt tablet punch, to 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 survive. Hopefully, survive. It's, it's not <laughs> been tested yet, but hopefully, survive Jameson Lab's test. And uh, hope you enjoy it. And uh, yeah, Black Friday is coming. Uh, Prime Day is coming. We're also going to have a discount on Amazon. So stay tuned. Nice. Nice. Okay. So the last part is just a word association. So I'll say the word and you tell me the first thing that comes into your mind. 
Okay. All right, here we go. Democracy. Democracy. Mm-hmm. American. The lightning. <laughs> the lightning network. Fast. Government. Government bad. Human rights. Human rights, the most important. Violence. Violence. No, I don't like that. I really dislike that. Dislike. Yeah, the word dislike. Trump. Trump. Oh, fail. <laughs> Ego. Ego. Mm-hmm. Um, dislike. FOMO. Sorry. FOMO. FOMO. Yeah. FOMO. Mm, that's that's scam. Wealth. Wealth. Yeah, everyone is expecting that. Expecting is expect. Privacy. Privacy essential. Hate speech. Sorry. Hate speech. Hate speech. Mm. Oh, that's that's dislike maybe. Gold. Gold. Dying out. Replaced <laughs> by Bitcoin. <laughs> Guns. Guns. Personally, I'm not a big fan of guns, so I don't like it. Revolution. Revolution, where em- embrace, so embrace the revolution. Socialism. Socialism. I'm kind of, I'm kind of, I think the, I'm kind of mutual to socialism. So yeah, I don't, I don't think it's bad or it's good. Yeah. Family. Family. That's the most important thing to me. Inequality. Sorry, I I don't know the word or inequality. Inequality. So, like, um, if like people talk about inequality these days between the the very rich and the very poor, that like the wealth uh, gap unequal. Okay. Okay. I think it's a natural thing. Hell. Hell. Important to me. Oh. Uh, I think you said you think I said health. I meant I said hell, like heaven and hell. Like you oh, go, heaven go and hell. Bed. <laughs> oh, sorry, hell. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't have too much sense of it. Just, <laughs> yeah. Liberty, yeah, hopefully, lib- all the all the all the all the shit coins goes to hell. <laughs> yeah, lib- then we can focus on Bitcoin. <laughs> Amen, brother. Liberty. Liberty, important. Energy. Energy. Yeah, I I wanted. I wanted myself and also our product to be energetic. And Bitcoin. Bitcoin. Replace every money, every single form of money on the earth. Beautiful. Uh, Li Xin, this has been a, a really great conversation. Thank you so much for, for taking the time. Uh, is there anywhere you'd like to direct people if they want to learn more about any of the stuff that you're doing? Uh, or f- yeah, follow people, you or people, anything? Yeah, people can find me on Twitter. My handle is Bitcoin Lixin, L-I-X-I-N, pronounced Lixin. And also can find our product on Kobo.com, but pay attention that Kobo.com, we have three products. Kobo Wallet is the centralized wallet uh, focused on China. And you can click on the uh, tab bar, which is Kobo Vault, and that is our hardware wallet. And uh, uh, we're our years here. So if you guys, all the Bitcoiners, if you have any suggestions or you have any feedback for a product, just let me know. And uh, if those are reasonable like feedbacks, we will put into our product ASAP. Yeah. Awesome. Well, look, man, I look forward to playing more with the, the Cobo Vault in the coming weeks and uh, cool. you know, re- really appreciate you sending one over. Congratulations on a great product and uh, look forward to speaking again in the future. Thank you too. Okay, brother. Take care. Bye-bye.
Limp, 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 limp,